Welcome to Mental Breakthrough, a memoir podcast about owning our most vulnerable stories so we can live a life of authenticity. I'm Marianne Samrath, the woman behind the pen name Sincerely Miss Mary. Together, I take you through my healing journey as I share stories of moving through pain to get to the other side where the light shines again. In this season, I carry you moment to moment, starting with a tumultuous breakup, then multiple breakdowns, and eventually a breakthrough. I share stories of how my gift of writing guided me through the darkest moments of my life, leading me to reconnect with my Cambodian ancestors and break the cycle of generational trauma. By sharing my truths, I pave the way for others to feel safe sharing theirs. We all have a story to tell. Stories that can be someone's silver lining. Stories of hope. In this episode, I talk about my experience of assimilating to whiteness to try to erase my Asian culture because I was embarrassed of it growing up in a super white suburb. It was always a constant battle of not being Asian enough or being too white for an Asian. I never felt like I belonged anywhere until I met one of my best friends in fourth grade. This friendship gave me permission to accept myself in ways I couldn't get to alone. This friendship taught me to love myself. Surrounding yourself with people who celebrate your multicultural background and love you because of it is so important in cultivating authenticity in this world. It is so important to surround yourself with people that make you feel safe to be yourself. Today, it's pretty hard to be Asian in America in seeing the media cover all of these attacks going on all over the country. It's heartbreaking and frightening that people have so much fear and hate in their hearts to attack someone else because of what they look like. It makes me really angry, and all I can do is to just channel all of this rage into fuel to continue to raise my voice, take up space, and tell my stories. The past year, I have joined so many Asian American communities and met so many people who have had similar experiences as me, which is drifting apart from their culture growing up and then later in their life reconnecting with their Asian heritage. That is something that I finally did a year ago, and it's a story that I will continue to share in season one of this podcast. It took me a lot of work to love everything about myself, to love being Asian and to love being American. And I'm finally able to say I'm, I'm proud of being both, and I will never stop being myself in this world. So I hope this story inspires and encourages you to accept and love yourself. Episode 11. I wanted to be a white girl. At six years old, I wanted to be a white girl. 
I wanted light hair. I wanted blue eyes. I wanted pale skin. I would stare at the mirror and hysterically cry because I knew I could never change my almond eyes, my button nose, or my dark hair. At six years old, I had convinced myself that to be beautiful, I had to be white. And so began the shaming of my Asian heritage. I was born and raised in a predominantly white suburb of Chicago, where I was one out of five Asian kids in my elementary school. Calling my childhood whitewash was an understatement. My first few hours of kindergarten were spent in ESL before the teachers quickly realized I was fluent in English and immediately pulled me out. In third grade, someone started a rumor that I looked like Pocahontas, and for the rest of the year, that was my name, even though I am 100% Cambodian. The constant reminder that I was a minority in school began to shift the way I saw myself. I began to see myself as less worthy of not being white. I shamed my culture because it wasn't like the rest of the kids. I wanted to eat a casserole instead of rice. I wanted to go to a Christian church instead of a Buddhist temple. I wanted to speak only English instead of Cambodian. I started heavily assimilating to whiteness. That is until I met my best friend Jenna. Jenna was a quintessential white girl I fantasized about. Tall, light hair, blue eyes. She was a life-size Barbie. I remember the day we became friends. It was the first day of fourth grade lunch, and I was sitting by myself until she sat next to me and began to talk to me. I was awestruck that a white girl wanted to be friends with me. From that day forward, we were attached to the hip. She was my partner in crime for choreographed dance routines to building a rock collection. We even bought matching fake hair buns and limited two silk pajamas. Remember, this was the 90s. Her endless curiosity towards my Cambodian culture dissolved the embarrassment I had for it. The first day she came over to my house, I was extremely self-conscious. I was embarrassed I shared a room with my grandma. But to my surprise, she could care less. Instead, she wanted to know my grandma. Even with their language barrier, Jenna would still find a way to communicate with her. She complimented her traditional Khmer sarong and fearlessly ate any Cambodian food she made her. I have never met anyone that loves my grandma's infamous egg rolls as much as her. She loved our food so much, she would call it gourmet. And that pushed me to see the beauty of the food I ate. She savored the language I spoke with my family. Every time I spoke Cambodian, she would attempt to say a few words to learn it. I used to hate speaking Cambodian, specifically in public and around white people. I feared my family getting made fun of or judged, but Jenna loved the language and wanted to hear more of it. She made me feel unique for being bilingual. The things I hated about my culture were the same things that captivated Jenna. Her openness and willingness to learn about my family allowed us to take up space unapologetically in our white neighborhood. I, too, was eager to entangle myself in Jenna's white culture. She gave me my first ex experience of eating dinner at a friend's house, which was a foreign concept 
to my family. My strict parents were always opposed to it until they finally caved after months of my begging. I remember every detail of this dinner at Jenna's house. Ravioli pasta and a side of green beans. It was an earth-shattering contrast to my daily meals of rice and fish. From that day on, I wouldn't shut up about pasta until my grandma surprised our family with homemade spaghetti bolognese. Pets were also a foreign concept to my family. My first interaction with pets was with Jenna's two tabby cats and one shih tzu. Her love for her pets ignited my obsession with animals. For Christmas that year, my mom made me rewrite my wish list because I only listed animals. Eventually, my mom let me get gerbils, and I have Jenna to thank for that. As kids, we integrated our cultural differences that broadened the views our family had for each other. My Asian heritage didn't deter her from getting to know me like other people in our neighborhood. She was magnetized by it. I am grateful to have had a friendship that nourished my acceptance of my ethnicity at a young age. Jenna paved the way for me to love my multifaceted identity. She never let me forget about my Cambodian roots from day one. Together, we celebrated it. Looking back at our friendship, I realized Jenna loved all parts of me before I did. Without her, I would continue to stray away from my culture just to blend in. She made me feel proud to be a Cambodian Asian American. Jenna is still my best friend today. We are celebrating over 20 years of friendship founded by the complexities of her cultural differences. A week ago, when I told her I was writing about our friendship, I asked her if she remembered why she chose to sit next to me at lunch in fourth grade. She said it was because she thought I was beautiful and wanted to learn about my Asian background. I balked because for so long I had equated my Asian features with ugliness at that age. I would never have fathomed a beautiful white girl thinking of me as the same. Her broadened view of beauty for a nine-year-old girl sparked a friendship that changed my life. Our friendship was rare for a 90s kid. I didn't face racism in the same way my parents did. Jenna's desire to immerse herself in cultures outside hers expanded her humanness as a white woman. Racism begins with a lack of knowledge about someone on a human level. It is easier to judge and hate a person when you have not taken the initiative to get to know them past their physical appearances. Ignorance can lead to fear. Fear can lead to judgment. Judgment can lead to hate. At nine years old, we built a blissfully raw and honest friendship, naive to the attempt of systemic racism tearing us apart. At nine years old, our association challenged the status quo. I want to see a world embracing every race in the same way my best friend did. I do not know how to dismantle racism, but I hope curiosity can be an initial step. Curiosity can lead to knowledge. Knowledge can lead to acceptance. Acceptance can lead to love. 
As Nelson Mandela said, No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin, or his background, or his religion. People learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Today, Gen Zs and Millennials are unionizing to redefine America, a country that is starting to no longer tolerate systemic racism. We're creating a new culture that is encouraging acceptance and love. We are amplifying people of color to dismantle the white patriarchy, utilizing race as a hierarchy. We are raising our voices and calling out injustice within our family, friends, and employers. We are encouraging society to do the inner work of educating themselves on systemic oppression like the Asian model minority myth so we can move away from our whitewashed history. We are using curiosity to unlearn what we were taught and to rebuild an anti-racist mindset. Voluntary ignorance is no longer an option if we want to be better and do better. We must keep questioning, keep learning, keep growing so we can actualize an inclusive nation where people of color are seen, heard, and loved. And right now, the Asian American community is in really need of support. The visible corruption of our country is cultivating a generation of future leaders who have a sense of urgency to do things differently. Mixed with our high-functioning ability to navigate social media is a movement that is creative, contagious, and powerful. Just look at what TikTok is doing. I have met so many thought leaders, especially in the Asian American community, raising their voices unapologetically. They have made me feel less alone in all of the work I'm doing trying to take up space in the world. I believe our generation is tapping into the significance of our voices to become the change we will see in the world. We, with our strong-willed nature and our relentless hearts, we will get there because we have woken up to our power, to our voices, and we are never going back to sleep. We all have a story to tell, and I want to thank you for listening to mine. I'm Marianne, the one behind the pen name, Sincerely Miss Mary. I hope this episode helped you learn a little more about who I am and the struggles I have faced being an Asian American. I want to thank you for listening to my story and being a supporter of my work. All of you listeners, give me the strength to continue to do what I do by sharing my most vulnerable stories. I hope I have inspired you to be you in this world. You deserve to feel worthy of everything that makes you, you. And some news, I wrote an article amplifying 30 Asian American podcasters. So I'll put the link in my show notes for you to read, but please take a look and read 
all of these amazing women that are taking up space in the world. I am not the only one. So I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please leave me a review. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram and also download my free breakup workbook. The link will also be in show notes. I will talk to you all next week.